the state of Israel is gearing up for yet another set of elections. The fifth set of elections, the fifth time the government is going to change, the fifth time the public is going to vote for a new government in three and a half years. This is nothing new. This is not an anomaly. In a recent article of the Times of Israel, a report decided by the Israel Democracy Institute, it's a think tank in Israel, that says Israel has had the most frequent elections among democracies since 1996. In the last 26 years, that is, Israel has had elections an average every 2.3 years. The report cites 20 other democracies with government systems that uh, are po- it's possible to change often. It doesn't even count countries like the United States of America, where we have elections every four years for president and designated times for elections for our political positions, and there's no way to bring down the government in the middle. And yet, even absent countries like the United States of America, the report found that Israel has, is, is the leader in having governments fall apart. Countries such as Greece, Spain, Japan, Canada, Portugal, Czech Republic, Poland, UK, Germany, Hungary, Belgium, Sweden, none of these have elections since 1996. None of these countries has had elections as often as Israel. The government is more stable in these countries than it is in Israel. Ireland, Finland, Norway, you name it. And this has been going on. Uh, The report is based on uh, data since 1996. This means that there are members of Israel's Knesset uh, currently who when this started in 1996, they were like seven, eight years old, which means that they grew up with no other experience than a totally unstable government, the most unstable government in the world, among democracies, at least. This has been going on for an entire generation. An entire generation of voters have grown up not knowing anything else in Israel except instability of government. And even before the latest spate of government collapses in Israel, Israel was still a very, very close contender for the least stable government in the world, even without the last three years. From 1996 until the April 2019 elections in Israel, where, if you remember, Greece was the absolute undisputed leader, by far nobody was close for having frequent elections, for having their government change. And that was because of the fact that the publication of the statistical data on the Greek government financial accounts was manipulated for political reasons. There was a big scandal, big government scandal in Greece then, if you remember. That in combination with a very complex uh, electoral system in Greece, which they call um, substantial uh, proportionality or, or something like that, I'm sorry, reinforced proportionality. They call it reinforced proportionality, uh, which is designed to ensure that uh, the smaller a group of voters is, the more, the more exactly proportional its representation will be in parliament. So back in those days, Greece was the absolutely undisputed leader in government instability. They had elections once every, on the average, once every 2.38 years, according to this report. Uh, a far second was Japan, who had elections once every three years. And then there were a handful of countries that had elections between three and three and a half years. There was Canada, Iceland, Netherlands, Portugal, Israel, Spain, and Denmark in that order. So Israel, back in those days, was seventh least stable, and that includes uh, Greece, which was the absolute undisputed leader. No other country in the world had elections uh, less than once every three years. They had less than one once every two and a half years, Greece. And Israel was in the next bucket of countries that had elections between three and three and a half years. But in the last few years, Israel has become even more unstable. They've surpassed even Greece, who has not improved a lot. Greece now has elections once every 2.53 years on average, which is not a great improvement, but Israel surpassed them one election every 2.4 years. There is no other country in this study. And remember, it leaves out countries like the United States of America, where there is no chance of governments falling. In the world, 
that has such an unstable government. Greece now 2.53 again, followed by Spain, which is 2.96, and everybody else has elections uh, once every uh, three point something years. And of course, Spain, like Greece, has a very good excuse for having an unstable government. It's been unstable since the 2015 elections. And the reason for that is the 2008 financial crisis that Spain experienced in 2013. Five years after five years of this financial crisis, approximately 27% of the population was unemployed. 2015. 21% of the population was unemployed. Protests broke out. New parties were created. It was a big anti-establishment movement then. And on top of that, there were the uh, nationalists in Catalan that wanted an independent state from Spain. And don't forget, the entire Spain uh, was only created really in 1978. Spain as we know it now, then that's when they made their constitution. Prior to that, it was a dictatorship under Francisco Franco. And because of the new parties and because of the unrest that happened after the 2015 election, there was no clear result. And they had a terribly divided parliament. And that was Spain's excuse. Spain, Greece are are unstable because of typical destabilizing factors. And if you remove Greece and Spain from the calculations of unstable governments, Israel has no country close to it in terms of in terms of instability. Again, Israel has elections on average since 1996 less than once every two and a half years, every 2.4 years. Besides Greece and Spain, there is no other country, no other country studied here that has elections less than once every 3.04 years. That would be Canada. And although we know what makes Spain so unstable, and what made Greece so unstable? The question is, what makes Israel so unstable? Currently, more unstable even than Greece, more unstable even than Spain, and much more unstable than any other democracy in the world. And again, this is not only a new development because of the last few years fiasco, which itself needs an explanation. This has been going on since 1996, which is One-third, the amount of time between 1996 and now, the amount of time that Israel is the most unstable country in the world amongst these democracies, comprises over 36% of the amount of time that it existed. In other words, for the last one-third, over the last one-third of Israel's lifespan, from the time it was created, it has been It has had, rather, the most unstable government amongst democracies in the entire world, more even than Spain, which is understandably wildly unstable, more even than Greece, which is also understandably unstable. And the question is, what makes Israel's government so unstable? One would think the opposite would be true. Logic dictates that the more uh, closely aligned the different political parties are in terms of their ideology and their goals, the more uh, close they'd be in in terms of stability. And whereas uh, in the United States or in UK or in uh, Italy, the uh, citizens aren't necessarily united in any particular goal. Uh, uh, Italy, UK doesn't really have a national goal or a national purpose. It's a country like any other country. Uh, It's for the liberty, freedom, and pursuit of happiness of its citizens. And ideologically, uh, they could be millions of miles apart, universes apart. But Israel, as opposed to these other countries that are much more stable than it, has what the Zionists claim, or the Zionists claim it has, a unifying factor, an actual national goal. The national goal of Israel is the self-determination of the Jewish people, the safety of the Jewish people, law of return, lest there be another Holocaust. All Israel is, that's what they tell us, all Israel is, is the simple desire of the Jewish people as a whole, the Jewish people as a whole, for their own self-determination, which is necessary, necessary for the safety of the Jewish people. The safety of the Jewish people, that's a national goal. America doesn't have a national goal. England doesn't have a national goal. Italy and France doesn't have a national goal. Israel has a national goal. It's a country that out of desperation, desperation, there was no other choice. Ain't Brera. There was no other choice, they say. 
except to create Israel because it was necessary for the Jewish people. And yet, despite this unifying and unified national goal, this single national mission that all Israelis supposedly, allegedly share, which should make them more unified and and therefore more stable, Israel is more unstable than any other democracy in the world. They've had no major economic problems. They've had no major government scandal and Bibi's cigars doesn't really qualify, at least not in comparison to what they had in Greece. It doesn't explain national instability. On the contrary, the main factor that prevents Israel's instability from being even worse than it is is Bibi. He's the common denominator of more of Israel's governments uh, since the 1996 data started. So why is Israel so unstable? And not only is it so unstable, why is it even more unstable than countries like Spain and Greece, whose government structures were rocked and destroyed by financial or political upheaval? How is it possible that a country with no financial or political upheaval anywhere close to that of Greece or Spain, can surpass them and become more unstable even than them become the most unstable country in the world. See, this is not a question of why Israel so unstable. Somebody has to be the most unstable country in the world. If you take any survey of 20 democratic countries, somebody has to be in first place. And yes, it's always worthwhile to ask, why is this one in first place? But over here, it's worse than that. Over here... We know what causes instability in governments, political upheaval, financial upheaval, some type of national upheaval, which Israel did not experience. They surpass even countries like Greece and Spain that have experienced such upheavals. Israel has not. And therefore, removing Greece and Spain, which Israel has surpassed, there is not a single country in the world that comes close to Israel's level of instability on the average since 1996. And the question is, why this bizarre fact of Israel's instability, despite its financial and political relative stability, clearly deserves our attention? And the truth is, once we focus our attention on it, we'll see that Israel's instability is not really so difficult to explain. Although Israel hasn't recently experienced this financial instability that ravaged Spain or the political manipulations that ravaged Greece, Israel is infected with a worse instability. From the time Israel was established, inherent in Israel's essence was a contradiction, an ambiguity, an instability that would in, we would expect to inevitably lead to instability. And the instability was indeed not long in coming. Israel, in its essence, claims to be a Jewish state. Not only a Jewish state, the Jewish state. And not only the Jewish state, the nation state of all the Jewish people all over the world. This makes Israel different than all other countries in the world. Every other country in the world is the state of its citizens. Italy is the state of the Italian people. Canada of the Canadian people. Mexico of the Mexican people. United States of America, of the American people. But Israel, by its own law, is not the state of the Israeli people. It's the state of the Jewish people. This means two things. Thing number one, if you are a non-Jew in Israel, a citizen, for generations, you may have served in its army, loyal citizen, you still have no self-determination rights as much as a Jew living in New York. By law, if you are not Jewish, you do not have any national self-determination rights in Israel. That's their nation-state law. But at the same time, Jews outside of Israel, who never lived in Israel, whose family never lived in Israel, who never don't plan on living on Israel, have nothing to do with Israel. They may not even like Israel. They have self-determination rights in Israel, and Israel is their nation-state, whatever that means. Israel is Israel claims by law to be my state. Not the United States of America is my state. Israel claims to be my state. 
the nation state of all the Jewish people. Now, never mind that that causes problems for Jews all over the world. It increases anti-Jewish sentiment. But that's another story. Forget that for now. Israel's claim to be the Jewish state excludes non-Jewish people from Israeli national self-determination rights. In fact, in Israel, there is no such thing as an Israeli nationality. In Israel's uh, national registry of their population, every citizen of Israel has two classifications, their citizenship and nationality. All Israelis' citizens are listed as Israeli citizens, but they're not listed as Israeli nationality. There is no such thing as Israeli nationality. If you want to know what nationality you belong to, uh, Israel created a different taxonomy. There's Jewish nationality, Druze nationality, Arab nationality. Suddenly, being Jewish became a nationality. And Israel is not the state nationally of Israelis. It's the state nationally of Jews. Now, non-Jewish citizens of Israel are unhappy with this, obviously, and and many of them requested of the uh, state of Israel to recognize a nationality called Israeli, which would include all Israelis, Jews, non-Jews, rather than the current uh, classification, the current taxonomy, uh, which is discriminatory against non-Jews in a democratic country. And the case in 2013 went to the Israeli Supreme Court. The Israeli Supreme Court denied their request, they refused to recognize Israeli as a nationality, and they gave various different excuses. The second one we'll mention first. The second excuse that Israel gave is that if they were to make the nationality of Jewish citizens classified as Israeli, that would mean that Judaism is not a nationality, but it's just a religion or whatever. And this idea that Judaism is not a nationality contradicts the fundamental principle of Zionism, that Jews are a nationality. So the Supreme Court of Israel decided what Jewish identity is, and they said that they refused to accept Jews as anything but a nationality, and they wrote this into law. There are actually differences in law because of this. And this is first and foremost the first reason why Zionism is against Judaism and that Zionism is considered heretical in the Jewish religion. Because according to Judaism, uh, being a Jew is not a nationality in the same sense that being French or or Chinese is. Uh, Jewish means uh, you accepted God's law on Mount Sinai and that makes you a Jew. Zionism came to change that. Zionism at its core is a new definition, a change in the definition of what Jewish identity is. Prior to Zionism, Jewish identity was a religion. You practiced it, you didn't practice it, but Judaism is a religion. Israel refused even to recognize an Israeli nationality because Zionism decided what Jewish identity is, that being Jewish is a nationality. So first, by Israel's, uh, this is clear in all of Zionist uh, ideology, and the Supreme Court merely confirmed it, and they're right about this. In Zionist ideology, the idea of Israel is not merely the rights of Jews, it's not merely a safe place for Jews, but it is an actual position. It is an actual opinion of what being a Jew is, it, and the Zionists invented that. And that opinion is at loggerheads with the opinion of the Jewish religion. This is first and foremost the difference between Judaism and Zionism. According to Judaism, being a Jew means that you are obligated to fulfill the 613 commandments of God. Whether you do fulfill them or don't fulfill them is another story. But your, your obligation to fulfill the 613 commandments of God, that's by definition what makes you a Jew. According to Zionism, none of that matters. Commandments, Judaism, that's not what makes you a Jew. What makes you a Jew is the nationality of being Jewish. Now, even though the Jews never had national characteristics, the Jews never had a common language, they never had a a common land for for thousands of years at least, Uh, they never had a common culture for thousands of years, but still they were Jews. Jews never had a flag. Even 
nationalities that don't have countries, such as the Kurds. They have a flag. They have a language they speak. The Jews were all over the world for thousands of years, different cultures, different languages, but they were still 100% Jews. That's the point. You could remove their country uh, 2,000 years ago, remove from them their country, exile them from it, let them speak a different language if they choose, which Jews for 2,000 years have chosen. And even during the Commonwealth, when they had a Jewish country before they were exiled, Jews did not speak Hebrew. In their own country, they spoke Aramaic. But the Zionists invented a fake Jewish identity that's a Jewish nationality and that the Jews need a a common language or the idea that the Jews, quote-unquote, speak a common language. They invented Ivrit in order to give the Jews a common language. They invented modern Hebrew to give the Jews a common language. And they invented this idea, which is fake, that Jews always spoke Hebrew, that that's the national language of the Jewish people. There were times, biblical times, when Jews spoke Hebrew, but that wasn't the national language. It wasn't a national language. There were other times when Jews didn't speak Hebrew. Uh, again, they spoke Aramaic. Uh, for thousands of years, they've been speaking whatever languages, Yiddish, Arabic even, Ladino, which is a derivative of Spanish, and none of these were any less Jewish for it. If you want an example of how the Zionists forged this, this fake history, this fake news, go to YouTube and, and punch in uh, Netanyahu and the Pope. There was a meeting between the Pope and Netanyahu, and Netanyahu was, there's a video of this, and Netanyahu was bragging to the Pope uh, about Israel, and he was saying uh, that to the Pope that Jesus lived here and he spoke Hebrew here, and the Pope immediately corrected him. The Pope said, no, Aramaic. And the Pope was right. Netanyahu See, Netanyahu, if he would take a moment to think, he would, he would have realized that the Pope knew that the Jews spoke Aramaic. But the Zionists are so brainwashed into thinking that's this nonsense that the Jews are some kind of nationality with a common language and they always spoke Hebrew, that he didn't even bother to think about it. His propaganda, his Zionist propaganda, just came out reflexively. So even a master politician like Netanyahu is so brainwashed with this Zionist propaganda that he uh, made a fool out of himself in public, in front of the Pope, by lying about Jesus speaking Hebrew. But he didn't realize that what he was saying was wrong at the time. He just didn't think about it. Zionists are reflexively infected with Zionist propaganda. So, so Netanyahu, after the Pope said that, Netanyahu said, yeah, yeah, but he understood Hebrew. Well, maybe he did, but that has nothing to do with uh, Jews speaking Hebrew. Uh, it's not the national language of the Jewish people. So uh, Zionism at its core is an attack on Jewish identity because it changed its definition. Imagine if you're, let's say, a Christian, and there would be some a group of Christians one day that would say, no, Christianity is not a religion. It's not a religion. Christianity is a nationality. Let's get a national language for the Christians. The national language of the Christians is Latin. They'll create modern Latin. And they'll say, all Christians should teach this language because it's the national language of the Christians. The religion, uh, God, uh, Jesus, New Testament, that really isn't what makes you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is if you speak modern Latin. And if you live in the Christian country, let's say, they'll make the Vatican the national country of the Jewish people, the nation state, and they'll have a law of return that any Christian can live in the Vatican. And if you live in the Vatican and you're not a Christian, you don't have national self-determination rights. And there's no such thing as a Vatican nationality. There's only a Christian nationality. And the Supreme Court of the Vatican would say, no, you, there's no such thing as a Vatican nationality because that would imply that Christianity is a religion, has something to do with religion. And that's against our ideology. That's what Zionism does to Judaism. And you see, it's not even, if Zionism wanted to, they could have said that there's such a thing as an Israeli nationality and there's a Jewish identity as well. I'm American. I'm an American. My family's from Poland, but I'm Jewish. It's not a contradiction. I'm an American by citizenship. I'm American by nationality, but I'm Jewish by religion. The Zionists could have said, well, the same way Jews in other countries have nationalities affiliated with their countries, there's Jews in Italy that are Italian nationals, there are Jews in America that are American nationals, so too there's a, a Jewish, uh, there's an Israeli national. Israel would be no different than other countries. And 
whatever Jewish identity is, maybe it's also some kind of nationality um, or, or an ethnicity. It's also not. But if the Zionists wanted to, they could have said that by eth- ethnically you're Jewish, not a- even ethnically you're Jewish. They said nationally you're Jewish, but they didn't even do that. Israel said that you are Jewish identity is nothing but nationality. And Israel is the country of that nationality. Next, the first reason that the Supreme Court of Israel gave was that a person cannot have more than one nationality. And if they would make an Israeli nationality, the Jewish citizens of Israel would be forced to choose between being Israeli and Jewish, and that they cannot have. So in other words, Israel's Supreme Court, based on the ideology of Zionism, ruled not only that Jewish identity is national, but that you cannot be Jewish and have any other nationality as well. So in other words, you cannot be Jewish as a national and Israeli also. And being Jewish is nothing but being national. So I as an American, according to the Israeli Supreme Court, which of course doesn't bind me, but according to the ideology of Zionism, I am not an American national, and Italian Jews are not Italian nationals. Italian Jews are Jews. They're Jewish nationals because one cannot have two nationalities. And since being Jewish is a nationality, people have to choose between their Jewishness and their uh, nationality of their country of citizenship. So it's not possible for somebody to be Jewish and an Italian. They have to choose. And this is why, of course, Jonathan Pollard said that all Jews have loyalty to Israel and that they should spy for Israel. All Jews in other countries, he was speaking specifically about Jews in the United States, should spy for Israel. Now, this is a disgusting, false slander against an attack on Jews all over the world, and it does nothing except create more anti-Semitism. And just so that anybody listening to this podcast knows it's a lie. Jonathan Pollard is lying. Not only lying, this is what Zionists do. They want everybody to think that Israel is the country of the Jews and Jews everywhere are loyal to Israel. And it's, it's not true. I, again, I am an American. I am Jewish by religion, but I'm an American by nationality. The people in England are English by nationality and Jewish by religion. Even the Jews that say that being Jewish is an ethnicity, and it's not. There is no Jewish ethnicity. It doesn't make any sense to say that Ethiopian Jews, Yemenite Jews, and German Jews and Russian Jews are all of the same ethnicity. They don't eat the same foods. They don't speak the same language. They don't have the same culture. They have no common characteristics that ethnicities have. The only thing binding them together is the, that their religion is Judaism. But even if you're going to say that being Jewish is an ethnicity, you can be uh, Jewish ethnically and national Israeli, just like you can be uh, every country, democratic country has various ethnicities. So one of the ethnicities could be Jewish, but the Zionists don't even want to say that. It's not an ethnicity. It's not a religion. It's nothing except a nationality to the point where it's a contradiction to say that you're Israeli and Jewish. That's Zionism. And now we come to Israel's instability. Although Israel says that being Jewish is a nationality, Jews have existed way before the state of Israel existed. Jews do not share any national characteristics, and there are Jews who falsely believe that they are being Jewish as an ethnicity, they are Jew- even though that Jews don't share ethnic characteristics either. There are those Jews that believe that, rightfully, that being Jewish is a religious obligation because every Jew shares those obligations even if they don't fulfill them. And the question is, how does Israel, how does Zionism reconcile the fact that the Jews are, have no national characteristics, had no national characteristics for thousands of years, yet they were still Jews? Well, the truth is that despite Israel's Supreme Court decision, not all Zionists agreed that Jews are a nationality. Uh, Jabotinsky said that Jews are a race. Yes, an actual race. Jabotinsky was a racist. He said that the Jews are a race, just like the, let's say, black people are a race. The Jews are a race. Now, if you're going to ask, how could the Jews be a race? There are Jews of all sorts of different races. How does a Yemenite Jew and a German Jew, how are you going to explain that they're of the same race? So the Zionist explained, very simple. In 1911, the prominent Zionist biologist, doctor, and big shot member of the faculty and board of trustees 
of the Hebrew University, a man by the name of Redcliffe Salomon, wrote an article in the first issue of the Journal of Genetics. He called it the heredity of the Jews. And in this article, he explained how the Jews are a solid biological entity identifiable in biological ways, the shape of his skull. Jews have a special shape of their skulls, special features, special bodily measurements, which is caused by a Jewish gene, which gives Jews a distinctive physical appearance. Now, we know that this is really anti-Semitic stuff. This is Nazi stuff. And yet, this is what the Zionists believed and professed. But if the Jews are, here's the question, uh, racial, where does that leave, let's say, converts? Or the Yemenites? Or Ethiopian Jews? Clearly, Jews aren't all of the same race. So, Zionist author Rupin explained, quote, he actually wrote this, it is perhaps owing to this severe process of selection that the Ashkenazim, that means Eastern European Jews, are today superior in activity, intelligence, and scientific capacity to the Svaradim and Arabian Jews, in spite of their common ancestry. End quote. And back to Salomon, he explained the Yemenite Jews, quote, are not Jews. They're black, with an elongated skull, Arab half-castes. The true Jew is the European Ashkenazi. So should the Zionists allow the Svardim to come to Israel? Svardim are the Spanish Jews, the non-Eastern European Jews, the African Jews, the Yemenite Jews, Moroccan Jews, Middle Eastern Jews. In this context, we're talking about Jews that are not Ashkenazim, not Eastern European. Should the Zionists allow the Svardim to come to Israel and join uh, what they call the Jewish nation? On one hand, he says, well, quote, the spiritual and intellectual status of these Jews is so low that a mass immigration of them would lower the general cultural standard of Jews in Palestine and would be bad from several points of view, end quote. He adds, however, that on the other hand, again, quote, in small numbers, however, they might be extremely useful with their small needs and their capacity of competing in wages with the Arab cult agricultural laborer. The East European Jew can't possibly live on such wages. For purely manual labor, preferences naturally given to the Arab, who's the cheaper workman. This breach in the Jewish economic system can be bridged only by the Oriental Jew, who can do rough work at the same price as the Arab. End quote. This was the Jabotinsky school of thought, that the Jews are a race. Then there was other Zionists who said that the Jews are some kind of tribe, a, a large family tied together. They asked Ben-Gurion what a Jew is, and Ben-Gurion said Jews have no definition. They have no definition. He says nobody asks what a Scandinavian is, nobody asks what somebody from Nor what a Norwegian is. Why should people ask what a Jew is? Well, yes, Mr. Ben-Gurion, nobody asks what a Norwegian is, is because we all know the answer. That's why. It's because we don't have a question. It's someone from Norway. There's a common language, a common land, a common culture, whatever makes people nations. But Jews have no such characteristics. That's why they're asking. And Ben-Gurion said Jews have no definition. He says there are those that think Jews have a, are a religion, Ben-Gurion said, but I'm not one of those Jews. I am the true Jew. The true Jew has no definition. The Zionists were bent on changing the definition of a Jew from what everybody knew it was to something, something new. The true Jew, and those are the true Jews. Ben-Gurion even said that because Israel is the state of the Jews, the Israeli Knesset has the right to determine who is a Jew, not only regarding the law of return, Israel's own laws, regarding Jews in general, what a Jew is and what a Jew is not. The whole idea of Jewish identity is owned by the Israeli lawmakers because Israel is the nation state of the Jews. You see what these guys did? They came and they said, okay, Jewish people... We are the we own your identity. We are your state. Your your identity is subservient to us Zionists. And the whole goal of Zionism, the main goal of Zionism, the first goal of Zionism, everything else are derivatives thereof. The main goal of Zionism is to redefine Jewish identity from being a religion to whatever. The Supreme Court ruled that it's a nationality. Other Zionists have different ideas. And the truth is none of these ideas work. Absolutely none of them. And so, here's the question. Here's the devastating question.
or Zionism. How can you have a Jewish state? How can you function as a Jewish state? How can you say that your mission is to be the state of all the Jews if you cannot even agree on what a Jew is? And therein is the crux of Zionist instability. One thing's for certain, that Israel is not the country of its citizens. There is that inherent discrimination in Israel's structure. If you immigrate to Italy and you are a loyal Italian citizen and you serve in the Italian army or whatever it is that makes loyal Italians loyal, after X amount of time, X amount of generations, your family are now Italians, full-fledged Italians. Here in America, America started 1776. All Americans are, are, are immigrants from somewhere. My family's from Poland. Everybody is from somewhere. Even if you were here from 1776, your family's from England. But because America's a country, we're a nation, the people that live here, the people that are loyal, we become Americans. And every, in every country, if you live there, you, you could become an Italian, you become French. But in Israel, even if you live there, you come there as a non-Jew and you're a loyal citizen, you serve in their army, you even could be a member in the Knesset, you can even be a judge in the Supreme Court, and you could stay there for generations, but you will never have national self-determination rights because you are not Jewish. You could never become a Jew. See, there's a key difference between Israel and all other countries. In all other countries, you can become a national of that country by your dedication to the country, by your citizenship in the country, by your connection to the country. In Israel, even if you are connected to the country, you are a citizen of the country, you are loyal to the country, you will never become a national of that country because you're not Jewish. Now, how do you become Jewish? Well, if you go through a religious conversion, then you become Jewish. Now, isn't that weird? There you have one contradiction. If you go through—Judaism isn't a religion, they say. It's only a nationality. And yet, if you go through a religious conversion— Snap. In one second, you become a national of the country because of a religious ritual, because a rabbi converted you. And what does the rabbi do to convert you? The rabbi asks you, are you committed to being religious? If you're committed to being religious, then you become an Israeli national. But Judaism has nothing to do with religion to the point where it's impossible to say that you're Jewish by religion and Israeli by nationality. And yet, after generations of being a loyal citizen, a connection to the country, you're still not a national of the country. But after one second of agreeing to be religious to a religion that has nothing to do with Jewish identity and is not required according to the country, but after a second of a religious conversion, now you're qualified to be a national of the country. Now, if you're living in Israel and you're a citizen, at that moment, you become a, country, a national of the country. That is a contradiction. But Israel, the Zionists cannot do anything about it because... The whole idea that the Jews are a nationality is a synthetic, fake concoction of Zionism. And the, by way of analogy, I always say this, uh, saying that the Jews are a nationality or that Jews are not a religion is like saying, I, wanna, I don't believe in the number two. I count one, three, four, five. I don't believe in the number two. I don't believe in it. It's like saying, I don't believe the Jews are a religion. I just don't believe in that fact. No problem. You don't believe in it. But now tell me, what is five minus three? And tell me how you figured that out. See, that's the predicament that the Zionists are in. They say that the Jew, being Jewish is not a religion, and yet there is no other consistent way to look at Jews, no other consistent and non-contradictory way to look at Jews aside from that. So they can't even decide what a Jew is. If you can't decide what a Jew is, you don't. and even the ones that do have an opinion, their opinion is not consistent. You have a bunch of self-contradictory opinions that don't even agree with each other. That's two things. One, they don't agree with each other. Two, each definition itself is self-contradictory. And you have those, and that defines the state as Jewish. You ask people in the street, I, there, there are people who have done this, what is a Jewish state? And you, you ask 20 people, you're going to get 20 different definitions. They can't even decide what their identity is. They cannot even decide what their identity is. And that's what causes their problem. So, for example, everybody knows that the biggest issue political issue dividing the Israelis today is the settlements. Now, what determines their policy in the settlements? Well, Naftali Bennett, who's currently the prime minister of Israel at the point in time of this story, he was merely minister of education, but he has not changed his uh, opinion. 
He said on national television here in America, on uh, Mehdi Hassan's TV show, he was interviewed. And when Mehdi Hassan asked him, well, aren't the settlements illegal? Naftali Bennett said, yes, but the Bible said the land belongs to the Jews. If you don't like it, go change the Bible. So the host asked him, so is Israel a theocracy? And he did not answer. He said, well, go change the Bible. So now you have uh, the current prime minister of Israel saying that his policies are based on the Bible. Now, the, by the way, they're not. Nowhere in the Bible, not in the Jewish religion, he's talking about evangelical Christians. But according to Judaism, Jews do not get carte blanche over the land. They are not allowed to have a state in Israel. But aside from that, God's promise of the Jews, of the land to the Jews, has nothing to do with the current state of Israel. That promise is, is, according to Judaism, it's conditional. The Jews violated the promise. Israel's politics has no, Israel has no right to invoke the Bible from a Jewish perspective, perhaps from an evangelical Christian one. That I don't know. You'd have to ask an evangelical. But from a Jewish perspective, Israel has no right to invoke the Bible uh, for any policies that they make. And yet the current prime minister of Israel did that. Now, Naftali Bennett has a partner in his coalition who's now, now they're actually, when I said Naftali Bennett was the current prime minister, that was a mistake. He was the prime minister until a few weeks ago when Yair Lapid took over because of the instability. They're kind of co-prime ministers, you know, they take turns now, but Naftali Bennett was the one who took over as prime minister when they were elected. Now the current prime minister, the actual current one, the acting prime minister, Yair Lapid, his father, he's a anti-religious. He doesn't believe in the Bible. In fact, his father, Tommy Lapid, in an interview given by Noah Ephron, a professor in Tel Aviv University, he records in his book called True Jews that Tommy Lapid said, if Moses or Maimonides would be here today, they would declare me the true Jew, not the ultra-Orthodox. Tommy Lapid was not religious at all. He didn't believe in religion, or certainly not uh, Judaism. And yet he's saying that if Moses or Maimonides would be here today, they would declare him the true Jew. Now, Maimonides actually rules that somebody like Tommy Lapid is persona non grata. He's outside of the Jewish camp. He's beyond the pale because he doesn't believe in the fundamentals of Judaism, and that's what makes you a Jew in good standing. But never mind that. Professor Efron properly asks, why would, Lap, why would Tommy Lapid even care what Moses or Maimonides had to say? Moses was the lawgiver, a, a law that Tommy Lapid does not, did not keep. Maimonides was the law codifier, a law which Tommy Lapid does not keep. Why would Tommy Lapid care what Moses or Maimonides had to say? Well, the truth is he has no choice. If he wants to hook into uh, the history of the Jews or the Jewish people, there are no other people to hook into except people like Moses or Maimonides because they were the representatives of the Jews, Jews in good standing throughout the, the millennia. But he's saying that if he's the true Jew, not the ultra-Orthodox. These people are obsessed with arguing of what a true Jew is. Now, of course, Tommy Lapid was unable to explain, certainly was unable to explain what a true Jew is, what makes him a true Jew. So you have Naftali Bennett and Yair Lapid being, they're taking turns being prime minister over here. One of them invokes the Bible. The other one, he doesn't even believe in the Bible. So what? what and the question is not merely one of policy. And don't forget, these people are not in opposing parties. These are the two prime ministers of one coalition. And it's not even a question of what's your particular policy about the settlements. It's a question of what does a Jewish state mean? What is your country all about? What is your identity? What is the identity of your country? They claim to be a Jewish state, but they cannot even define what a Jewish state is. Now, if you ask them about this, that, well, you guys can't even define what a Jewish state is. This happened recently. I asked it to, I was involved in a debate with Einat Wilf, uh, one of the top Hasbara experts in the world today. Former Knesset member, spreader of Zionist propaganda. And, and she says, well, that's an internal debate that's fun to discuss, but it doesn't matter. Uh, yes, it does matter. You see, the Hasbara position is 
don't talk about this. Say that this is an internal debate and it doesn't matter, but it does. And neither Einad Wolf nor any Zionist can answer this. The problem is it's not an internal debate. It's far from it because Israel tells the world, we're a Jewish state. We're justifying our actions. We make our, uh, our foreign policy and our internal policy based on the fact that we're the Jewish state. They have a nation state law that eliminated a large chunk of their citizenship from national self-determination rights because it's the state of the Jewish people. You have a prime minister, a prime minister claiming on uh, national television that their policy for the settlements is based on the Bible. They claim to be the Jewish state, and that's why they make all these policies. Their whole essence is that they're the Jewish state, and this is why they get into trouble. Now you say to them, well, what is a Jewish state? So tell us what you're talking about. No, we don't need to discuss that. Well, if you don't need to discuss that, you mean you don't know the answer. You don't need to discuss that. You're not discussing anything about your policies. Your policy is, leave us alone. We could do whatever we want. This is why there are contradictions in Israel. So getting back to Spain and Greece versus Israel. The reason why Israel is so unstable is because while I asked, well, they should be more stable since they have a national mission, which other countries don't, the answer is they do have a national mission, but they don't know what it is. Not only can they not agree on what it is, you have two prime ministers, Naftali Bennett and Yair, Yair Lapid. Granted, Yair is not Tommy, but he ha- he's no different than him. Yeah, you have two prime ministers taking turns in the same coalition, in the same government. One of them says Israel's most controversial act, an act that's deemed illegal according to international law, is based on the Bible. Now, he's wrong. It's not based on the Bible. But in his imagination, it's based on the Bible. His co-prime minister, Yair Lapid, doesn't even believe in the Bible. And he's against making policies based on it. And again, this is not just a policy disagreement. It's not sharp, It's an identity disagreement. They don't e- cannot even decide what their country is about. They can give up their mission statement to become a normal democratic country, but they refuse to do that. They still want to remain the Jewish state. That's the problem. They want to be the Jewish state, but A, they cannot agree at all on what being a Jewish state is, and B, they cannot, uh, even the ones that have an opinion about what a Jewish state is, don't have a anything but a contradictory opinion about what being Jewish is. And so, whereas Greece has uh, had turmoil, uh, political manipulation that led to turmoil and instability, and Spain had financial, economic instability that led to the rupturing of the government. Israel has an ideological instability, an ideological contradiction, ideological ambiguity, contradictions, and complete, utter, chaotic instability of their ideology, of their mission, of of who they are, and this will never allow them to be stable. If you cannot imagine a company that, A, cannot agree on what their mission statement is, are you there to sell sell shoes or are you there to provide legal services? You don't even know what you're there for, but more, you don't even know who you are. And those people that have an opinion, whether you say that you're there to sell shoes or to have a legal statement, you can cannot even logically sustain or articulate your opinion. When somebody asks you, you say, well, no, no, that's an internal debate between me and the other executive. We don't need to discuss that with anybody. That doesn't matter. Well, of course it matters. Your identity matters, especially when your identity is written into law. In their own founding document, the Declaration of Independence, they do not have a constitution, by the way. This is one of the reasons. Constitutions deal with equal rights and things like that. Israel did not want to have a constitution. They don't have a constitution, but they do have a Declaration of Independence. In there, in that Declaration of Independence, Israel is referred to as the Jewish state. Not just a Jewish state, but the Jewish state. Sometimes it's referred to as a Jewish state, but it's referred to as the Jewish state. Sometimes it says they're establishing a Jewish state, but it also says they're reestablishing a Jewish state, which means that they view themselves as some sort of continuation of the theocracies that the Jews had, where people like Ben-Gurion and uh, Herzl or Yair Lapid would be not even considered uh, part of the Jewish people in good standing. 
Uh, but in any case, based on this idea that Israel is the Jewish state or a Jewish state, they make their policies. This is their mission statement. That's all over their Declaration of Independence. And yet they could never define, they could never agree on a definition, nor could any of them define in any reasonable or logical manner what the definition of Jewish is. Ben-Gurion, who was one of the founding fathers of Israel and the first prime minister, said that there is no definition of Jewish. So you have a Jewish state, but there's no definition of Jewish state. And yet, based on this description that has no definition, you create your mission statement and you make laws and you run your country that way. You become different than all other countries in the world, which are countries of their citizens, where Israel is not the country of the citizens, they're a country of uh, people that have no definition, have no identifiable characteristics. It can be, according to Ben-Gurion, defined arbitrarily by uh, the Knesset in Israel, a law-making body that has no jurisdiction over the majority of people who they're defining. This ideological instability, this mission statement instability, this identity crisis, not even a crisis, it's like identity instability, it's an amorphous, ambiguous, undefined, literally, according to Ben-Gurion, undefined identity that they have that is nonetheless steering the country. They fight wars, life and death, based on something that they don't even know what it is. Nobody's telling them what it is. It's not like they're blindly following uh, a book or anything. They're not following anything. They don't even know what they are, and yet they don't know what being Jewish is, and yet they're fighting wars because they're the Jewish state. They don't know being Jewish. This is an instability. This is an inherent flaw in Israel's driving ideology. It's an inherent flaw in Israel's mission statement that cripples the entire entire ideology. And since Israel is run based on an ideology called Zionism, the same way, let's say, the Soviet Union was uh, ran on an ideology called communism, Israel runs on an ideology called Zionism. And Zionism is based on a definition of Jew into something that is undefined, that underpinning of Israel's existence is is instability incarnate. So, of course, shortly after Israel's founding, this instability manifested itself in the inability to form a government. And still, the policies that they're arguing about is uh, the role of the Arabs in the country, the role of non-Jews, the settlements, and all of these things all stem from one single question. What is a Jewish state? And without defining that, and they can't, without agreeing on that, without having some semblance of a definition of that, they cannot ever be stable.